This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Today we've got the end to the 2022-23 USF Sports Calendar tonight in Austin, Texas. We'll explain. We also have some great news when it comes to a freshman being named, well, a freshman All-American from the baseball team. I think you guys can guess who I'm talking about. An official new member to the men's basketball roster. Going back to earlier in the week, some big-time coaching news. First of all, we had a new assistant coach for Jose Fernandez in women's basketball, and I know I said I was going to be interviewing him. That kind of fell through for now, but we're definitely going to be catching up with the head coach and apparently one of his new staff members as well. We did not have a show on Wednesday, so we did not tell you on that day about the new beach volleyball coach, but we'll definitely be talking about pre-Piantadosi Lima, speaking of someone that will be interviewing soon, I am sure. New member of Men's Golf. We've also got the conference proceedings, and there's plenty to tell you about at the end of the hour with Around the American. I talked about today being the end of the sports calendar for USF Athletics. That's because it is the final event of the year with Romaine Beckford taking part in the high jump. It'll begin, and this is all being televised on ESPN2 at 8.30. We'll tell you more about that in a second, but definitely wanted to shout out the 4x100 men's relay team, even though, well, when you get to the finals, there's a chance that someone's going to be the last place team, and that's where the Bulls were. But man, getting there was really the big story. The Nelson Mahater, Shavoy Reed, Jaleel Kroll, and Zaquan Lincoln ended up running in the inside lane on the second heat, the heat that contained the fastest time, and that was LSU. And boy, they pulled up at the end. They could have run a little bit faster, but the Bulls actually improved their time by two-tenths of a second, 39.82. But that was still 24th out of the 24 teams that made it to Austin, Texas. The host actually did not qualify for the finals. They were one of the 24 competitors. Florida and Florida State are both in the final race. That'll be around 9 o'clock tonight. The very first event to begin tonight, again, it'll be 8.30 our time, is the men's high jump. Vernon Turner, that's the name to remember. That's the guy that Romaine Beckford defeated in a very big-time environment at the indoor season. And he, by far, has posted the best height entering this one, seven feet, six and a half inches, while Romain Beckford's top time this outdoor season is basically two inches shorter than that. So you'd have to say Vernon Turner and Romain Beckford are going to be the two big names to keep an eye out. But among the star attractions of this very star-studded type event, Dontavious Hill of Auburn, he is a senior. His top height is equal to the Bulls' Romain Beckford. And actually, Trey Allen from Louisville is a tenth of a meter above them, rated second behind, again, Vernon Turner, who looks like he is the favorite. Actually, we mentioned Hill and Turner. Those are the top two returners from last year, where Tejaswin Shankar from Kansas State won with a 227 height. Then it was another senior from Georgia finishing second. Hill and Turner both cleared 221. Beckford's height was 215 as he finished in 13th place. That was good enough for All-American status. He wants to finish at least in the top three. That gets you a medal, which obviously would be an enormous deal. Everyone's going to start at the 2.06. That's meters height, six and three quarters inches. If you're curious, if you don't know the metric system, which I certainly am not good at, the bar will be raised by two inches at a time for the first four go rounds. And then as the field starts to inevitably thin out, it'll go up by an inch at a time. You get three cracks at each height. You want to get it on the first jump if you can, because if, say, the final two athletes fail to clear whatever the 
highest height is, it will go back to the previous height and who got it the earliest. So every jump counts. Obviously, you don't want to expend too much energy at each height. And Romain Beckford, well, it would be the highest of heights if he can win the national championship. He's already there as far as the indoor meet. Outdoor meet, a little bit tougher, a little bit bigger competition in Austin, Texas tonight. In just a couple of years, beach volleyball will be in on the USF campus. Actually, can't wait to see the construction begin for the whole setup as it's going to be right there directly north of the Yingling Center. And now we know who the coach is going to be. Her name is Pri Piantadosi Lima. Again, this was announced on Tuesday, but we did not have a show on Wednesday. Certainly, though, it is big news. Coach Piantadosi Lima, heretofore known as Pri, P-R-I, by the way, was an assistant coach at Eckerd. More on that in a little bit, but really but she's known more for her work as the founder and owner of a big-time club based and begun here in Tampa Bay called Optimum Beach, which focuses on developing elite players, getting them ready to play beach volleyball. She was in charge of the whole thing. It eventually grew to locations around the country, four of them, others being in Tennessee, Kentucky, and New York. The Optimum Beach training system simulates game situations and, of course, integrates strength and conditioning and mindset, everything. And Optimum Beach has produced nearly 100 student athletes as far as all the different levels of beach volleyball. She was at Eckerd, which of course is a Division II program, which consistently made it to that national level. As a matter of fact, her wife is the head coach at Eckerd still to this day, Michelle. Great article on GoUSFBulls.com. Everything you need to know about Pre. She began basically in her teens as a beach volleyball player in Brazil, which makes all sorts of sense. Had plenty of international competition. Now, when she was in college, that's the late 90s, early 2000s, there was no beach volleyball in college. So she was still a standout at the indoor level for Louisiana Lafayette. In fact, wow, their 2002 season was a pretty good one where... She and a teammate, Stacy Cole, turned in what still stand as number one and number three all time for a season. As far as kills go, she had 381. Of course, this is the rally scoring era, which began in 2001. Boy, I still can't believe that volleyball used to be you could only score when you were serving. Those matches must have taken forever. Anyway, she was a two-time all-conference performer there after college, eventually returned to beach volleyball on the professional tour. Never got into the Olympics, but hey, there's some competition when you're from Brazil. The former Priscilla Lima eventually married, of course, Michelle Piantadosi. They started up the Eckerd Beach Volleyball Program back in 2015, and now she's going to start up the USF Beach Volleyball Program. Again, we'll talk to her, I'm sure, soon. Actually, Kaylee Cottrell, and I definitely don't mind this, she gets first dibs, interviewed her for the video form. If you go to the USF Athletics Twitter page, you can find that. And again, GoUSFBulls.com has even more in-depth about what she's done, including uh, various other programs she's been a part of. Michael Kelly says she brings vast experience and tremendous success as a player coach and founder and operator of one of the most respected club programs in the country. And she is held in very high regard in the beach community for her passion for the sport and her ability to develop high-level competitors. And one thing that she said off the bat was her goal is to make Bulls Beach nationally known. Bulls Beach, that is going to catch on. She says not only for our athletic success, but for the type of culture and character our teams will have and our success in the classroom. 
Beach Volleyball opened the doors to the world for me, so I hope I can share with our players what it takes to play at the highest level, while also preparing them for life outside of college with the help of all the tremendous student-athlete development resources USF has. So that news goes back to Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, the first hurdle, the biggest hurdle so far on the proposal for the funding on the on-campus football stadium was the Board of Trustees Finance Committee, which unanimously approved the plan to borrow $200 million. More coaching news from even earlier in the week. Definitely wanted to mention her, and again, we'll be speaking to her, I'm sure, soon. When Yolisha Jackson was hired to be the head women's basketball coach at South Alabama, it left a void on the staff for Jose Fernandez, which has now been filled. And this was also officially announced on Tuesday. I see on GoUSFBulls.com, the timestamp says it was May the 16th. That's just a clerical error. We learned on Tuesday that Sheila Boykin, who was with Loyola last year, Cal State Northridge a couple years before that, and prior to that began her coaching career in 2018 at San Diego State, started off there as a graduate assistant because she was a player not too long ago, for LSU. She was a post player at six foot two, and no doubt will be working with the post players. That's kind of the role that Coach Yo filled. She was from L.A., actually originally signed with UCLA, but was granted a release and got to go to LSU and went to the NCAA tournament. All four of her seasons there, years two and three, they made it to the Sweet 16. And in her final year, she basically had her career year as far as points and rebounds per game, averaged around six points and six rebounds per contest. And again, got into the coaching ranks right after that for a few years in California, last year in Chicago, and now assistant for Jose Fernandez. Of course, both Michelle Woods-Baxter and Danny Hughes have the titles of respectively associate and assistant head coach, and Sheila Boykin is the new assistant coach for women's basketball. They do have six new members of the team, two transfers and four incoming freshmen, all from overseas. So we'll be talking to Jose Fernandez about the new group soon enough for Bulls beat. Yesterday, the men's basketball team announced a new member to its roster, transfer from Ole Miss by the name of Malik Ewan, spelled E-W-I-N. He's a 6'10 forward slash center as a high school player out of Georgia. He was a four-star center ranked in the top 100 overall, but at Ole Miss, never really found his footing. In fact, only scored in a handful of games, and only one of those games did he score more than four points. Had a good game against UCF, as it turns out, had 10 points on four for four shooting and five rebounds. But hey, this is what the transfer portal is for, right? You have players that didn't really break in at a school and hoping to get more playing time. And of course, you know that Amir Abdul-Rahim is very familiar with the Georgia area, and Ewan being from Lawrenceville, Georgia, no doubt was on his radar at Kennesaw State and now is on his roster at USF. Hey, there's a pretty good freshman that played baseball this year at USF, and the folks that do the National All-American teams noticed. We got some highlights of what made Eric Snow a freshman All-American, also some reported news on a new but also old member of the baseball staff. Speaking of former Bulls, we want to give a shout-out to Bethany Keene for her work with the Florida State softball team. Her career came to an end last night, as did the softball season. Of course, baseball is at the super regional level. That's going on this weekend. We'll also pass along some details of a new member of the men's golf squad, also a transfer. That's all when Bulls Beat continues. Live play-by-play is done for the season. And that is it. But we've got you covered. Here we go. Bulls beat three times a week. All right, here we go. Plenty of classic games. Wow. And the best action from 2022-23. Good! Good! 
all exclusively on USF Bulls Unlimited. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Yeah, it is definitely hard to believe that the season is over after night. And, of course, before that, the season was over a couple weekends back when it came to play-by-play on the channel. And, well, USF was hoping to make a run at the baseball tournament, ended up not being able to pull off that win against East Carolina. Then you look at Tulane, which had the thrilling run of being able to make it to the NCAA tournament. And, well, it's kind of one of those be careful what you wish for things because they went right to the toughest pitcher in the country at LSU and lost and then had to withstand a 20-hour rain delay, lightning delay, in having their season end with a 10-2 loss to Sam Houston. Yes, LSU advanced out of that regional. I've definitely been watching a lot of the postseason baseball and softball. More on that. That ended last night with Oklahoma. Just amazing what they've been doing. But yeah, I tell you, in addition to watching the NBA and the NHL finals and the Rays doing what they're doing, the action in the Super Regionals is always so very entertaining and dramatic. And just the more I think about it, I truly believe that the NCAA baseball tournament might be the toughest to win because first starters getting out of your regional even if you're hosting it is no sure thing and you look at some teams that were host last week and couldn't get it done and some that were on the brink of getting eliminated then actually this weekend might be the most straightforward I don't want to say easy but most straightforward round of the baseball tournament because it's just a normal best two out of three and of course if you win the first two you advance but then the college world series is in effect Kind of what we had with the American Athletic Conference tournament. You have two groups of four, except the difference is the championship game, after you've had to beat three or at least two very good teams and see your pitching staff strength get stretched out, you get to the finals, and that's a two out of three series. So it really is a grind. Wake Forest is the number one overall seed, is hosting Alabama. Again, plenty of ACC and SEC teams, but... Then you have Stanford and Texas taking one another on after Texas eliminated Miami. LSU and Kentucky, one of the two SEC exclusive matchups. Tennessee hosting Southern Miss on the right side of the bracket. The other all-SEC deal in Gainesville, where the Gators are the number two seed taken on Mark Kingston and South Carolina. An ACC matchup has Virginia going up against Duke. Oral Roberts, one of the non-power conference teams that was so very impressive, as the number four seed advancing out of Stillwater, they did not lose. Oh, by the way, they've won 21 in a row. How are they the four seed? Indiana State. Now, this is the difficult one because they, again, great story, non-power conference team, actually got a national seed but cannot host their super regional due to just not quite having all the facilities. So they have to go to TCU, which just destroyed Arkansas. It was a rhetorical sounding question. How could Oral Roberts be a number four seed having won 21 games in a row? Well, remember the baseball setup is different. You have one, two, three, and four seeds, but the four seeds are some of them better than others. They're just think like the NCAA basketball tournament. The 13 seeds are better than the 16 seeds, and Oral Roberts is actually, I think, a candidate to make it to Omaha that would be something else. Well, the Bulls are trying to get into that realm for the first time, and hey, they weren't too far a couple years ago. This year, didn't quite have it, but certainly had a talented shortstop in Eric Snow. He was named the all-conference shortstop. He was named the all-conference defensive player of the year, and earlier this week, 
Collegiate Baseball named him one of its All-American freshmen. Actually, Drew Farreau from UCF was another of the six freshmen named and a guy that we saw a couple times, Alex Lodice from UNF. He was a 306 hitter with 16 homers and 63 RBI. Eric Snow himself hit 343 to pace the Bulls, eight homers and 45 RBI. And his first couple of homers got him on the scene loud and clear. He had some big hits throughout the course of the year and some amazing defensive plays. Enjoy these highlights. If you're Northeastern with the bases loaded. And it's not gonna happen. That ball gets golfed deep to left field. I mean, really deep, and I mean, out of here! Eric Snow, remember the name. His first career homer is a slam, and the Bulls are back in it. It's about 85 degrees out, but it's snowing in Tampa. Big moment early for the Bulls here with the bases loaded and now a two and one count on Eric Snow. Snow out of Forsyth, Georgia. And he hits this one pretty well toward left. Going back is Feinberg and that's gone. He's done it again. Eric Snow, second grand slam home run in two days. And the Bulls take the lead on Northeastern. How about that? On its way from Ellis, swing, and a fly out to deep right field. It might have the distance. Eric Snow has tied the game. Oh my goodness me. Would you believe it? The Bulls have done it again. They were down by eight runs. They have tied it at nine, and Eric Snow with a three-run jack off the scoreboard. Can you believe that? And two outs. Bulls up 2-0 here in the bottom of the seventh. Here comes the pitch, right down the heart. Fastball, and Snow has to make a difficult play. What a scoop and what a throw. And that's the end of the inning. Hootie, a sigh of relief. Eric Snow making it look easy, and it was not. Yes, goes off speed. Nope, fastball. And oh, what a diving play by Eric Snow. Are they going to get him? Wow! Incredible play by Eric Snow. That looked like he was headed through the left side. Flat out dives. Absolutely, Eric Snow provides the first one, two, three inning of the game. That was outstanding. He's 0 for 4 today, but still hitting 360. And a great hitter. And he taps that one, two, deep short. Snow was able to get to it. Spins. Oh, what a play! Unbelievable play! Sundin didn't run it out. Snow on the ball that was ticketed up the middle. Goes down to a knee, spins up, and throws out their slugger. Well, that's as good as you're going to feel after a three spot given up in the inning. One and two again. And Snow golfs it deep to right field. He's got a chance. Justin going back to the wall. Gone! Home run, Eric Snow. And the Bulls take the lead. Three to two. Showing some opposite field power. The freshman with one of the biggest hits of his first season. And the Bulls jump on top. This pitcher is from VMI the last few years. Has gone more than two innings, never, this season for East Carolina. Looking to finish up the ninth, keep his team tied now. Eric Snow lines it, hits the first base back. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily. Going on over to third is Sankovic, and it's 10 to nine. 
Eric Snow whacked it off the first base bag. And a huge RBI knock. The seventh hit of the inning for the Bulls. The first baseman, Moylan, had no chance as that ball kicked right off the bag and went down the right field line. And the Bulls lead it 10 to 9. They've scored seven runs in the last two innings. Just unreal. That ball is lined deep to left field. Plumlee gets a late start on it. It is going to bounce to the wall, and it is going to clear the base paths of Bulls. The freshman, fabulous, a three-run double, and the Bulls' lead is now 9-2. to two. Snow with two grand slam home runs earlier this year. He is tough with the bases loaded. Man, he was something. We could have gone a little bit longer with that highlight reel package for sure, but I wanted to finish it up there with the last win of the season for the Bulls and the hit that kind of put away, and really, if you think about it, kind of put away UCF, and not immediately, but eventually it led to the dismissal of their head coach, Greg Lovelady, as they head off to the Big 12. It's not official as we are taping the show on a Friday morning, but based on the man who reported it, Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball, and based on the fact that I retweeted it and the man himself liked my tweet, I'm guessing that there's a little bit behind it. That is the report that Alan Kunkel is going to be the new associate head coach and recruiting coordinator for the USF Bulls. He was on their staff for two seasons, including the last one being in 2021 before he moved on to UAB, which ironically will be a new conference foe of the Bulls. He was the director of baseball operations, along with being the head coach at the big Fort Lauderdale Cavalry Christian Academy before that, well known for his recruiting ties to the very baseball-rich south part of the state, and apparently back with Billy Mole on the staff. If you've missed it recently, the team reportedly parted ways with assistant coaches Karsten Whitson and Bo Durkak. Basically, when Kunkel got the job at UAB, it was convenient at the time because Whitson was serving as the de facto pitching coach but was a volunteer assistant. So it kind of all worked out, and now it works back out in the reverse direction, apparently, for the Bulls. We'll let you know when the news becomes official, but a man who was on the super regional coaching staff is apparently back with the Bulls. Mention Bethany Keene. Hope you guys were able to see her home run against Tennessee in the game that got Florida State into. We talked about how baseball is difficult to win the national championship. Softball, again, just getting to Oklahoma City and then winning your part of the bracket. And then you have to beat Oklahoma twice. So it really is difficult, but... Keen had an incredible moment with that home run. She did not play, frankly, that much. She played in 63 games this year, but only had 76 at bat. So she was basically a pinch hitter and to hit a respectable 250, but had not hit a home run since her fourth year and final year with the USF Bulls. And I was like, well, I've surely got that call. Actually, it was the game in the conference tournament in Tulsa where she hit her 13th and final home run for the Bulls. And that was the year where basketball, we called all of the road games from a studio. And on this particular situation, I decided, well, the conference tournament's in Tulsa. Can't go anyway. Might as well call it from my house. So I was actually calling play-by-play on a video screen with no crowd noise. So that's why there's no crowd noise. But yeah, until just a few days ago, this was Bethany Keene's last home run. So Foreman strikes out for the second time today. 
And next pitch is drilled to left field, going back on it is Smith, and she's gonna watch it fly out of here. Bethany Keene takes it the opposite way for a two-run homer. Said she was sitting on one this season. Give the veteran two, and they're right up against that run rule now, nine to two. Keene did not waste any time. It was an outside pitch, and she just put a good solid swing on it. Nothing crazy off the bat, but it just kept carrying. Yeah, looking back, and in this case, listening back, I hope we never have to call games remotely again because the crowd noise is a big part of it. Actually, while we're here, might as well play Bethany Keene's last hit as a bull because it was probably the wildest play that I can remember in a long time. And we were definitely there, and you'll definitely hear some crowd noise in Gainesville here. Again, 2021, it's the year that the baseball team did what it did. Well, Georgina Corrick had the Bulls right there with the Florida Gators in a scoreless game. Problem was the Bulls couldn't get a hit until Florida lifted its starting pitcher and Bethany Keene immediately gets a hit in a 0-0 game in the top of the seventh, only four. And now three and one with Cronister, the pitcher, to Bethany Keene. Here's the delivery and up the middle and it's a base hit! Here comes Bruni, decent throw and she got her, wow! And they get the pinch runner, Zweig at third. Amazing. The Bulls get their first hit. And on a great throw in the outfield from Lindsay, they get wiped off the base pass. A double play. Just simply amazing. Keen beat it into the ground. And you know fa how fast Bruni is. Lindsay's throw was offline. But that actually benefited the Gators because if it had been online with her speed, of course, Bruni is going to score. So the no-hitter is off the books, but the Gators have all the momentum. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'll never forget that weekend because the Bulls, after that, got walked off 1-0. Came back the next day behind Corrick, won two games, two shutouts, including a no-hitter, and then had to beat the Gators twice. It just, again, shows you how difficult it is. If you didn't see Florida State last night after losing the first game 5-0, they held off their ace pitcher. Looked like they had a three-run homer for the lead, but Oklahoma makes a great catch. And even though Florida State would eventually go ahead 1-0, Oklahoma back-to-back -back homers, and they win it 3-1. So the softball season is over, and Bethany Keene certainly had her moments there in her final year, her six-year college ball, in fact, got a start in game one against the Sooners, who won their third straight national championship. Seminoles made them work, and former Bull Bethany Keene was a big part of that. She is from Bradenton, Braden River. We wrap up, speaking of locals, actually he started off elsewhere, but he's come home. Freedom High School's Cooper Smith started off his career at UNF, which is a tremendous golf program. He played for the Ospreys the last two years, averaged 73.04 this past season after being named to the A-Sun All-Freshman team in 22. Next week on Bulls Beat, looking forward to interviewing some coaches, some that we've not met yet, such as Pre-Pianta Dose Lima and some like Jose Fernandez, who you've probably heard, but that'll be the summer schedule for Bulls Beat. As far as the channel today, a lot of drama, games against Tulsa, Trust me, there were some good moments against the Golden Hurricane. That's a little teaser. And then this weekend, classic football, along with a lot of 2007 action. Go to GoUSFBulls.com, hit that Fans tab. It takes you to the Bulls Unlimited portion, which always has the schedule updated for you. Thanks for listening to Bulls Beat. I'm Derek Sharp.